Okay, well, thanks again so much for joining us, uh, Andrew. It's great to, to, to kind of have this conversation again. Um, I guess today we're looking at something that we feel like Forestbrook has done a really, really uh, strong job on, but we still have a lot more to learn about. And I think this is something that we um, can only continue to improve on. And it's uh, the idea of forging meaningful intergenerational relationships. And I love the way he describes um, what it means to, to, to be a church that has these uh, as a value. Um, and he, he, he explains it this way, um, that building these relationships, these meaningful relationships, means being devoted to fellow believers who, want, who we want to be around and become. And, and certainly I think that that's such a good challenge um, for us because it, it really puts a lot of emphasis and onus on us to, to realize that we do have something to give because as we follow after Jesus, uh, that we're being made into something and that we do have something to offer. Um, so I, I love that working definition um, that he puts out. Um, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I really like the definition too. I think if every, every, anytime you use definitions, it can kind of bring some form of clarity to them. Um, and I, I like the two things he highlights in that definition of both you want to be around those people and you want to become like them. So those are sort of the two key tenets of a meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being around, we talked a lot about when we discussed this book in our meetings was kind of the idea of how much can we do outside of just the typical Sunday morning service, small group, those kind of things, which are, which are key tenets in our church. But do we do life together? Do we share meals um, so even one of the great, great uh, examples that he brought up was how often do we go to a kid's soccer game who goes to our church that isn't our own kid? You know, do we do those, do we do those kind of things? Do we, and I'm sure some people in the Forestbrook community do. I know when I, when I was young and played sports, I, I would see friends in the stands and all those kind of things. So I think that was to your point of um, we do some of the stuff well, but it's sort of the idea of, we're around each other because we want to be around each other and we like each other. And sometimes that has to be a bit more um, loosely defined. So not just sitting in the pews on Sunday morning, but we're doing stuff together. We're having fun. Yeah. And then um, he also mentions that you want to become like those people. And yeah. a key thing that he mentions in the book that a resilient disciple has is that a, resili a resilient disciple walks into their church and sees all the people and thinks, this is my family. You know, this yeah. is the people I want to be around for, uh, for better, for worse kind of thing. And um, I think, I think that if we do youth ministry, well, that's how our young people should feel about our church, right? They want to be a part of it. They want to become like people that are in the church and um, it would be so cool. And I know we do have this, but it'd be so cool if more of our young people could think about specific people in the church or think about the church broadly and sort of say, this is what I want to be a part of now. And it's more what I want to become a part of going in the future. So I think I thought that was really cool when he laid that out. And it, again, sort of what we talked about in our last podcast, it gives us, gives us a blueprint of what kind of relationships we want to, uh, we want to go after. In some ways, I like, I like to think of it. I mean, you, just as you're talking about this, this brought up my, um, this, this thought that, it takes belonging to something deeper, right? It, it takes belonging to becoming, right? It's like, 
I don't just want to belong to this community. I want to become like the people here. Yeah. Um, and and I, I love that. I love that. Um, that image. Um, yeah. And I, I, sorry, Jim, but I was even, I was no. even thinking about the other day, kind of a funny anecdote, but my, my cousin who both of us are, are leaf fans, you know, he's texting me and he's saying like, this is a disaster. What are we going to do? We should probably just find another team to cheer for. And I responded back to him, you know, in a weird way, like, I can't like, they're like my family. They're like my, like, I can't do something else. I sort of just have to keep coming back. And like, I love them and I hate them all at the same time. And like, you have these mixed emotions. And I think a really healthy relationship with the church is sort of that idea of it's tough at times. We're going to hit roadblocks. There's going to be relational issues. Um, That's, you know, where there are people, there are problems, but you want that overall, you want that overall feeling of like, this is the tribe I belong to for worse or for better, you know? So I think that's that, that was sort of what they were driving home in the book, which I think is something that's really, uh, you know, a positive feeling to have in life in all places, but especially in church. And I'm sure we'll flesh this out a little bit more later, but uh, this idea and notion that you have to be perfect in order to be involved is, is something that I, I don't think fits well in this, right? So people who are listening, um, you know, you don't have to be perfect in, in this and we'll flesh that out some more. Um, one of the things that I, I really loved, uh, which he couches this as, as, you, as you listen to all these podcasts, um, is this idea of digital Babylon, right? And this landscape, this is the landscape, it's, it's changed. We're, we're hyper-connected, uh, fast-paced information at our, our fingertips. And I love what he, he, he talks about that because that's the case with this generation and, and more, um, it's created this uh, tension of uh, mistrust, but also isolation, right? And I, I think there's there's so much to speak here because this is actually the landscape where we're operating, right? And I'm old enough to remember a generation where um, leadership in the church and leadership in different organizations were, were selected and you, you just kind of followed, right? It was like, those were the people that you, you sort of just went in. And what, what they describe is that this generation uh, no longer just accepts uh, leadership. And, and in, other way, in other words, um, leadership uh, in some ways has to prove relevance uh, to, if, if you're gonna expect me to follow you, um, not necessarily what's in it for me, but, it, does some of this stuff make sense? Are you are you actually wanting to be involved in my life? Um, and and again, like I, I I think that is so key for for what we're talking about here because I think it's challenging us to change the way we do things uh, so that we're less program oriented and more. Um, I think what he, he talks about is, is presence oriented, right? Like we're not asking people to come to the church and be changed by what we do. But what we're saying is that true change comes over long periods of time and true change comes over consistent presence uh, in, in a person's life. And, and because that's the landscape of mistrust that this generation uh, lives in, it, it's hard. And then, and I, I think also that the, there's, because we're so hyper-connected, um, it's created a bit of loneliness because each one of us are on our devices, we're connecting and while we're getting this information and we're getting sort of the neurons firing and getting whatever we want, 
um, what it's doing is it's keeping us farther and farther apart. And I think um, what I love about his, uh, his approach is that there's some really important things that we could do uh, that where this could actually be an opportunity for uh, some real growth in the church. And I want to get into that. So I want to know what you thought about that and what, what, you know, some, as he starts talking about that, what were some of the things that you, you felt maybe, you know, were, were important things for, um, for us listening, for those listening to, to say, okay, this is, this is how we could enter that, that understanding. Yeah. So, so I think he had some really kind of cool practical ideas of how do we, how do we intentionally strive after these meaningful relationships and, and uh, it, I think it's a, it's a great idea to just go through some of them and, and even not just in a way to say, here's what, here's what we should be doing as a church, but also to have everyone who's listening to the podcast think about, are there some ideas of in their minds about how we could go forward as well? So um, one of the things he mentioned that I thought was really neat was having sort of some specific outcomes with our relationships that we're looking for, right? So a lot during this process, we talked about being, we do some things really well, but it's almost, and, and this is maybe a bit of an overgeneralization, but sometimes we do things well a little bit by an accident, but this would mean really being clear about what type of relationships do we want and, and when will we know if we're seeing success, right? Mm -hmm. And so a couple of the ideas that he had in mind was that you know, youth could say clearly, I'm really confident in the relationships that I have at church. Like, is that something that all of our youth would say um, in, in a large number? Um, do I mentor someone and does someone mentor me? Like when we ask that question, is that something that, especially for a certain age, you know, you'll be a mentee for a certain period of your life, but at a certain age, do you have someone that you go to for guidance in the church and do you have someone that comes to you, right? That's a, mm -hmm. that's a question that we can all ask ourselves and think, do I look for those opportunities? Um, and then another thing, and this is specifically on intergenerational relationships, which we're talking about today is, am I connected to multiple different groups at church, right? So do I have friends that are 20 years older than me? Do I have friends that are younger than me? Do I have friends that are my own age? Do I have diversity in who I'm connected to at the church? So that would be another sort of question of, if we're being specific about what type of relationships we're having if we ask ourselves those questions do we find yeah actually i you know i connect well with this person they're not really a, they're not a contemporary of mine but i really value that relationship that would be a way that we could sort of think about it so that was one um one cool one yeah well i was just going to say that um as you're talking about um youth being confident of their relationships in the church i i couldn't help but go back to this one thought that um especially with young people today um, and I feel so old saying that, but, um, but I, I think there's a, there's an element of, um, as human beings, we, we, we know where we feel welcome. You know, when we enter a place, we know there's a gut instinct almost, uh, of, of being genuine or finding, uh, you know, genuine connection where we feel welcome. And, and I want to highlight that word feeling, because I know that sometimes we're afraid of it, but. I, I loved the emphasis that he, he put about how we assess the community that we have and whether we're building an emotionally healthy uh, space where people feel welcome, right? And so that's an intentional thing. Um, 
and and regardless of what our age might be, um, we we have a lot to contribute to um, people in that generation of of whether they feel welcome in in that place or not, right? And I think um, and I think I tie that to um, this this thought. And as a pastor, this this continues to challenge me because it's very easy, as we were talking about earlier, about the mistrust idea that it could be very well seen that as a person who works for the church, um, you know, if I'm spending time with you, it, it could very well be this idea that, okay, well, you're spending time with me because you're paid to do that. Right. right. Um, and so the idea that we, um, how genuine and vulnerable we are in terms of how we connect with people um, and, and whether we really, really want and love these individuals is, is all, are all factors that contribute to that. And again, it, reach, it builds into this idea as well, right? That we're not just doing a program so that you can come here and feel like it takes up a, a X number of uh, hours in your week, but, but rather we're, we're building something where we want these long-term relationships to, to be something that you, you're connected with and you feel welcome to, where you feel like as a whole human being, we care. We don't just care about your spiritual life. We care about your physical life. We care about your emotional life, your mental life, uh, all of those elements. And um, regardless of what those circumstances are. And I think that was a, a big eye opener. And I think it, it, it's, it's quite an effort for, for change in our, in our community to continue chasing after intentionally. Right. Yeah. So. I also think on top of the ability to make us make our youth group as emotionally sort of healthy as possible, uh, to me, that I sort of heard that as him encouraging us that when young people in the church have a feeling about something or they want they want to express it, that we're listening to them and listening to what their struggles are. Right. And I think the other thing he highlighted as well is that the opposite exchange happened. So older people in the church can be honest about things that they struggle with and they can talk to young people about it and they can hear that that dialogue going both ways. So there is an aspect of us being encouraged as sort of the like folks that are a bit older in the church not that i'm not that i'm overly old but (laughs) (laughs) folks that are older in the church um that we're vulnerable with them and when and when disagreements arise over issues that we're bound to have that we're sort of sticking it around long enough so that we can sort out some of those disagreements talk about it hear each other and so i think that's sort of something that goes back and forth um that's that's pretty cool yeah i was just gonna say you you brought up an idea or a thought and uh one of the reasons why i love um worshiping at forcebrook is when i see the multitude of ages right so when i see when i see bill Lyons, who's like 100 years now right 100 years old and he's worshiping um and i see other young people there and i think here's the spectrum The, the 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 incredible gift to the church is for young people to look at at people who are older and say, you know what, my faith can actually be, there's longevity in faith, right? And yeah. so I think that modeling and just what you were saying is, is so key yeah. um, in, in all that we do, right? So For sure. So yeah. there's just three more ones that I just want to touch on that I have written down yeah, from the book right. of sort of practical things and before we get to our guests for today. But Um, the one thing about digital Babylon that comes out out a lot is about our technology. And um, I think 
technology is sort of like this double-edged sword for us, right? There's so many benefits. And if you think about now as a church, how would we have gone on in this pandemic if it weren't for YouTube, if it weren't for all of the emails, if it, you know, so it's, it's a real asset to us, but we also think as, as a youth group, one of the ways that we could try to work on some of the relational stuff is find places where screens aren't welcome and Mm -hmm. not, and not, not just not welcome for the youth because often, you know, you hear this thing where it's like, Hey youth, bring in all your phones and we're putting them away for the weekend. But then the adults, we're going to go back to our room and we're going to text our wives and we're going to do whatever we want. But it's like, uh, we all, we all have issues with screens. We all have issues with this. So do we find places where, and permission for when we can put them away? Cause you always hear these stories, right? People put their phone away for the day and they're like, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Then they do it. And they loved it. So mm-hmm. how can we look for opportunities to do that? And I think that would be fun because even though technology offers us so many amazing things that we haven't had at our disposal, it also can inhibit some of our connection relationally. And I think for all being honest with ourselves, we can think of those periods where technology isn't helping our, our, mm-hmm. uh, our, uh, our interactions with one another. And then two yeah. other things that he brought up in the book that I thought were kind of cool that we could think about it as a church of how do we, how do we develop more people to fill these roles in people's lives was one was faith champions, which I thought was a cool term, which was the idea of an older adult mm-hmm. in, in a young person's life who isn't their parent, mm-hmm. who they like and they respect and they get on with. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, this gym as a parent, sometimes kids don't want to hear it from you, but they'll hear it from someone else. And, uh, those people can, and I've, I've had plenty of people like that in my life, um, two on this, two on this podcast today, um, that can really pass on, you know, things to you as a young person that probably your parents said to you before, but you're like, eh, don't want to hear it. So, uh, that, that's a cool idea of like, when it comes from someone else, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's far more original if it's not your mom or dad. So that's, and I, and it, it is kind of. And I think parents love that too, right? Because they say like, I've been telling them that, I've been telling them that, I've been telling them that. And then you're, you could sort of say, yeah, I know you've been telling them that, but maybe, you know, the wrong way or whatever. So that's one cool thing that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, is there someone in the church that, you know, that you could be that person for them? Like that would be really neat. And the other thing was having a mentor. Um, so 50%, 56% of res- resilient disciples say that they often look to those who are older than me for advice when they're making a, a difficult decision. So that's over half of a resilient disciple, the type of disciples we want at Forest Brook, who would say that they reach out to someone older to, to, for help and guidance, which is kind of neat. Um, and I think Jim, I remember even when I was in youth, we tried to think about ways to bring about those sort of mentor mentee relationships. Um, I know sometimes, you know, how that's done is, is tough. We we even talked about that as a group. Do you just start matching people up or you start assigning people? But hopefully if we, if we develop the type of church where we're relationally strong, that stuff comes naturally. Right. So, um, but we, we, we also do want to think about ways that we can encourage more people to want someone in their life that they can look to and uh, also someone who's willing to play that role for someone. So, and those are sort of lifelong relationships that can be really cool. Yeah. I love, I love that, uh, that summary. I think it's, uh, there's so many things there and and much more obviously um, that, that we um, as a community could benefit from. Right. Um, 
And well, I guess I guess at this point we could introduce our our guest for the evening, who uh, really doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, and 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 Jim, I did I did tease in our first podcast that that's true we were having the mascot of the youth group joining us and i think the reason i think that gary's the mascot is because i think a mascot has our guest is gary our guest is gary here he is gary cameron here he is gary cameron yay gary you're on mute by the by the way the reason the reason that i've nominated gary as the mascot of the youth group is i think a mascot's got to be two things noticeable which gary hits you know he's tall He's a I guess big I can't guy. hide. You yeah. can't hide. You walk in the room and you're like, there he is. There's Gary. He's sticking out like a sore thumb. He's sticking out like the Blue Jay dancing on top of the yeah. dugout. Usually the oldest guy in the room. Exactly. But then you've also got the key ingredient, which is that he is always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Present. So you're never going to go to a Blue Jays game and that bird's not going to be there. You're never going to go to a Leaf game and Carlton the Bears not going to be there. You're never going to come to a youth event and uh, Gary's not going to be there. So welcome to our uh, podcast, Gary. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, no worries. Well, Gary, um, just as we get into this, I want to ask you just briefly, what's your, uh, give us your background of, of, you know, youth ministry at Forestbrook and just maybe one or two like highlights of this journey. Yeah, I guess my youth ministry, my star in youth ministry was, was accidental. Um, and it was back in a long time ago, probably 2005, um, there was a parent in the church, their son had just started playing golf and the parent didn't play golf. And someone must've said, well, Gary plays golf. Maybe he'll take your son out and play golf. And that, that was kind of where it started. This, I, I went out, started playing golf with these grade seven, grade eight kids and, you know, had a great time and they had a, they had a great time and we, you know, we built um, some relationship um, through that and if, if I move on maybe a year um, after that um, there was a, a there was a, it, there was a year where we had no youth pastor it was just before Jim Jim started and there was a there was a youth retreat coming up and there was one Sunday morning they asked for volunteers for this youth retreat and and you know this parent kind of nudged me in the ribs and said you know you could do that and I'm like I didn't even I, I really didn't give it two thoughts and I kind of I volunteered and, you know, then maybe a, a Tuesday evening, I got this phone call to say, can you be at the church at five o'clock on Friday? And I was like, why, where are we, or, or where are we going? Like what's happening at five o'clock on Friday? And I, I didn't, I didn't know that a retreat was for, was for a weekend. And there I was like thrown into this retreat with, I can't remember how many, you know, how many youth, um, 60, 70, 80 youth on this, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and, that was it that was the start of you know of youth uh, for me and you know within six months I was doing youth small groups and I think I was going to Jamaica on a mission trip and and you know the, the kind of rest is history I kind of accidentally volunteered one day and and you know kind of jumped in the deep end and um, you know, it's been one of the greatest thing that you know greatest things has happened to me um, um, but there was no great planning or anything went into there was yeah. no there was no real intention they just had a, you know, my heart pushed me to volunteer and yeah, that's, that was, that was the start. Yeah. It's pretty cool, Gary. I, I'm one of the, I'm one of the grade seven or eight guys that 
that was uh, golfing with Gary at that time. We we all stuffed our cars into his into stuffed our club, sorry, into his sports car that didn't fit the clubs really. Do you remember, Gary? We had to uh, we had to take the drivers out, and then I had to sit in the back, and all the drivers were on me. And but we got up there. We got up to Uxbridge and played. Yeah, it was, yeah, so it, was mirac- cool. it was it was miraculous. Um, yeah, you know, and it, and that started you know it started something um, you know for me, and I've been doing you know small groups at Forest Brook you know since then. So that's like fifteen years, sixteen years, and I don't I don't think I really missed a missed a year since. I think there was one year I tried to sit out, and then by Christmas I was like I can't do this. I have to volunteer, and I, I ended up in doing small groups again and. Um, you know, with the mission trips, I've 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 only missed, you know, maybe a handful over the you know over that time uh, that time as well. And you know, and, and you know, youth has really been a huge chunk of my life. Um, you know, since then, is something that you know has given me a real purpose. Um, you know, to to my life, and uh, you know, it's been it's been a real blessing blessing to me. So when, uh, when we decided to have you on, one of the things that I was thinking about would be a cool thing to ask you and, and maybe helpful for people in the church like me and, and other people who are currently involved in youth ministry is I think one of your real gifts is that you've been able to translate youth relationships that probably started as a, you were giving most into that relationship and, and it was a, you know, a mentor relationship or a leader and, you know, youth relationship and use, you've been able to turn many of those relationships into friendships as adults. Right. So I've, I've, I've really enjoyed that about our, our relationship. It started, you were my youth leader. And then now I consider you a good friend and we still hang out quite a bit and enjoy each other's company. So what, what would you say is sort of the key to translating those relationships after the youth, you know, move on? I think for me, it's like it's just being, it's being consistent, it's being present um, in the person's life. And like once I, I'm kind of, you know, I enjoy friendships, but when I get to know someone, I want to continue that, you know, that friendship. And I don't really look on, I, I've always looked on youth as, as friends. I've never looked on them as anything different. Like I, uh, you know, so it just, it, for me, it's been easy to kind of continue post youth into, you know, to young adult uh, and, and and beyond. Like I just, you know, I try to, be there and still check in on people and you know and hang out with them you know when the opportunity comes whether it's you know watching you know watching a Leafs game together or whether it's you know still playing golf or whether it's you know doing a multitude of other um, other activities that I you know enjoy doing from times it's you know it's just continuing the relationships through those you know through those things. Cool. Yeah. So the other question I was going to have was why do you think intergenerational inter generational relationships are important what do you learn from surrounding yourself with young people in the church um i think there's i think there's several different pieces you know to it i think you know for me any healthy you know healthy family and you know community church is you know is one that has people of different age groups um so you know if you just have a you know a church that is is all people that are 60 plus um, you know, it's it's not healthy. But at the same time, if if you just have young people, there's no one to kind of guide them through, you know, through life. Right. Um, and you know, it's it's you know something that you know I've been intentional with you know with the young people that I've kind of got to know is to try and encourage them to continue, 
um, you know, to be to be part of the community and want to be there. So it's not a it's not a place that's just their parents, their parents' family, you know, their parents' community. Right. Um, they actually want to make it, you know, theirs as well, so they can see they have relationships with other other people other than their parents. So it becomes, you know, their own community, not just their their parents' community. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you know there was there was a period where we had a lot of we had a lot of young people coming through youth and um you know we didn't really have a sort of young adults piece to it as well um so a few of us including jim kind of got involved in trying to um ensure there was somewhere for the for these young people to go after you know after youth and that you know that um yeah that that was a you know, something that was was really you know on our hearts that we were we didn't want to lose these young people out of the community. So we tried to bridge the gap into you know making some you know some relationships um, you know sort of past that. Uh, you know, and I, you know as I think about you know, youth and our, our church now, like one of the things that gives me the like the greatest satisfaction is seeing you know people like you, Andrew and and, and Brian and, and Josh and um, you know a, a whole bunch of others that are that are feeding back into the next the next generation and that that for me is is healthy because of all the youth leaders are my age it's not healthy it's it's fine but it's like it's to to have youth with people that are in the next stage of life um you know so they're now getting into careers and getting married and having kids and be able to see see that not you know not hear about it from people that are 20 and 30 years down down line um, you know, I think is, is really healthy, um, you know, but at the same time that they, you know, they can, they can still see people like myself that are, you know, into their fifties and still be able to relate to them and still have a relationship with them and still, you know, hang out with them, um, you know, is, 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 is good too. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that we've talked about a bit as a group is the idea that the one thing that people who are older in the church offer people who are younger in the church is a bit of pattern recognition, right? So if you've lived longer, you've seen more. And mm-hmm. when you've seen more, you sort of, you start to pick up what the deal is. And so even in your answer there, I'm thinking like, if a youth asks one of us a question, I might have an answer based on, you know, my additional 12 years of life over theirs. But then you'll have another answer that I'm not considering in which add a bunch of other years of experience and living life and watching patterns repeat themselves over and over again that I'm not seeing too, right? So in a way, when you have those relationships that there's way more generations involved, you get such a deeper connection by getting those, you know, different perspectives when you're having conversations about things, which I think is cool. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier as well, like sometimes, you know, young people don't want to listen to their parents. They don't want to hear a message from from their parents and, you know, having having people that are potentially their parents' age or even, you know, they're even older, you know, probably give the similar message, but in a, but in a probably a softer way. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they're, they're more willing to listen. Um, yeah. so, you know, I think that is, you know, I think that is good. Um, but it, it, it does take some effort. Like you've got to build up the relationship with the young person. Like you can't speak it. You don't, you can't really speak easily into someone's life unless they trust you. Yeah. So you've kind of got to build up that relationship over time. And it, you know, and it can be through, you know, it can be through sports, you know, whatever interest you have is trying to build really, you know, build a relationship out of that and not out of, um, you know, 
I'm older than you. You got to listen to me kind of yep. thing. They'll listen to you because they, they trust you as a, you know, as, as someone that they, you know, they value. Yeah. Let me, let me, um, let me touch on what you just said, Gary, because I think that's a huge, huge value. If you were to think of some simple ways that people could actually connect like outside of an organized ministry. Um, and, and I know this is like really kind of pie in the sky type of thing, but, but what would you recommend? Like, how would you recommend that in terms of that building of the trust and kind of thing? Um, there's, there's lots of different ways to do. I mean, it, it's, you know, for me, it's like, I've often taken, you know, a lot of the interests that I have, which have, you know, been around sports and you, you, you know, you'd be surprised sometimes how easy it is. Like if you know some people that play golf, invite them to play golf. But if you, you know, if you want to go out for a bike ride, you'd be surprised sometimes if you just ask some people that are younger to go on a bike ride with you, you'd be like, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. um, or often it's like, watch a hockey game, you know, watch a, a basketball game, just invite a people, a few people around, you know, around to your house and just, just watch the game, hang out, have some fun, eat some snacks. Um, you'd be surprised in the relationships that, you know, that can build up through that. Um, you know, pre-COVID, you know, I, I would often, you know, just have a bunch of guys around. We just play cards, or you know, play some other, you know, other games. And it's like these are the sorts of times that you can just build up a relationship with someone, and then, you know, then they, you know, they see you as a person that you know has faith, and you can start to speak other things into, you know, into their lives other than just, you know, hanging out and having fun together. You kind of got to build up that, um, you know, that relationship and that that trust, and then. Um, you, then you get a chance to mentor and you get, you know, when they have, you know, challenges or things that come up in their life and they want some, you know, they're, they're looking some, for some advice or guidance, you, you know, you're, you're the person they go to because they, you know, they build up some relationship with you and they, and they trust you. Um, but it really can be quite simple. Like it's, 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 there's no, for me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not special in any way. Like it's just, it's being, it's being available and, and just being willing in your, you know, to, to build relationship with people. And it, it does, you know, you've got to want to be vulnerable. Like a lot of the, the, the young people that I've known, I've gotten to know over the years, like they know a fair bit about me. Like I don't hide, you know, my life from them. It's like, if you're going to build a relationship with someone, it's, it's two way. Like if you're going to mentor, you know, if you're going to mentor someone or get the opportunity to mentor someone, like they've, they've got to, they've got to know you. It's like you, it's, Otherwise, you're like you're coaching them. You're not you're not letting them into your life. You're just coaching them in something specific. Like yeah. mentoring is, you know, is, is a two way relationship, and it and it you know it takes a level of bond, you know vulnerability. And and I think the other thing about what you're saying too that's that's neat is all the things you said that you're gonna do. You're gonna do anyway. You're gonna go for a bike ride. You're gonna go for a hike. You're gonna go for a kayak you're going to do that stuff no matter what. It's just as simple as inviting someone to do it with you. Right. Yeah. So you're not reinventing the wheel with some really snazzy idea to get some youth come and do something with you. You go by yourself if they said no. So yeah. it, 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 and we can all think of things in our lives. Some things aren't conducive to that, obviously, but like a lot of things are, it doesn't hurt just to say like, Hey, want to do this with me? And like, I I'm with you. I'm sometimes surprised when you ask, people outside of their comfort zone say yeah sure like yeah, we have the we have the run club at the church and one time me and brian <laughs> said at, at small group one night like you guys want to come to the run club and i think like 90 percent of them showed up and like yeah. they probably hated it they just walked and like whatever like they didn't enjoy the activity per se but they came because they wanted to come mm -hmm. right so it it doesn't 
yeah. doesn't take well, much a, to invite someone. Time. Yeah, there's a few times I've got you know a bunch of a bunch of young people to like a charity run. Yeah. And it's like they don't, most of them don't even really like running, but they, if you invite them and it's a good cause and they're like and you give them a bit of encouragement, you know, you'll get them there. And maybe there's a bribery of having breakfast together afterwards or you know, whatever. But it's like it's you'd be surprised if you actually ask what the response yeah. will be. Yeah. I love the intentionality behind that, because I think you're um, it's like you said, to, to touch on the vulnerability. It's, it's not just having somebody doing stuff with you. It's intentionally uh, entering somebody's life, allowing them to enter your own. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping we will do moving forward in the future are, are creating more opportunities where these connections can happen, right? So it's not necessarily programmed per se, where it's like, okay, on this night, we're doing this or whatever, but to maybe have multiple things where, you know, because some people are not going to come for that run, but others might do something else. Right. Um, And then to actually have those populated with people who, for whom are are willing and ready to enter into those relationships with our young people. Uh, Because that's, I think that's the beginning of forging these meaningful, you know, intergenerational relationships. And so Gary, I got one more question for you, at least officially that is, and uh, you know, to someone who's listening right now that might think I have nothing to offer, right? They might be sitting there thinking and listening to this, which we were grateful for. What, what would you say to that in, in, in light of what we just talked about? I think they'd be surprised. Like, I think, I think everyone has something to, you know, to give. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's reaching, it's really reaching out, I think, you know, this piece of you just got to, you know, you know, if there's youth and, you know, young people around you or, you know, in, in families around you that, you that you're connected with, it's just ask how they're doing. Like just, you know, just be interested in the, in the, you know, in their lives. I think, you know, I think we live in a, we live in a world at the moment where it's like, it's people, it's easy for people to live in isolation. And I think if you pay an interest in, in people's lives and, and, you know, you know, possibly ask them to do things or to, you know, to, to go for a bike ride or to, to, you know, to go for a walk or, um, you know, or, you know, lots of very simple things. Um, I think, I think you'd be surprised. Like I, I, I'm continually shocked by how willing, um, people are to, to, to spend time with, with other people when you actually ask them. Hmm. You know, and, and to get, you know, like the, the number of times that I've had really weird groups of people together, because I'll, I'll ask them, I forget how old people are. Like I completely, like it, it's, it, I've been doing youth for so long now, I cannot remember how old, like a lot of the young people are, like, you know, whether they're 29 or 27 or 25. And the amount of times I can get a group of people together, it goes everything from like 16 to 29. And, for, and I don't think it's weird at all. Like for me, it's just normal because I know each of the people individually um but i think for some of the people that are there it's like wow it's like the, you know there wouldn't be people they would normally hang out with yeah. the people i would normally hang out with because individually i hang out with each of them so it's like you would i think you can be surprised you can be surprised how easy it is to get people to have you know to to spend time together um and and enjoy that time together um without doing anything particularly fantastic yeah I think, and, and just to, cause I, 
I think about my relationship with Gary and, and the mentor he was to me. And I think the cool thing about what he's communicating today is that I never, I can't think of a time where Gary scolded me or told me the one, two, three about how I should live life or gave me his principles or so on and so forth. But what's so cool about it is that when he invites me to do life with him, I notice how he treats the person who, you know, the cashier at the golf club. I notice how he treats people everywhere we go. I notice what he, what happens when something doesn't go right for Gary. How does he respond to that thing? So in a way, when you do life with someone, especially a young person, you're, you're, showing them the way by doing it not by saying it and i think especially for young people and back to what you were saying off the top jim about earning that trust it means way more to me to say i've seen gary do x y and z as opposed to say gary says do x y and z that that's more meaningful to me and the more opportunity i had to be invited into his world and watch it the more opportunity there is for me to see it right yeah, no, I mean that. That I appreciate you saying that, Andrew. And it is, you know, it is, it's, it's something that you know, as, as a, you know, as a mentor, if you want to put it in that term, like you have to model what you're trying to teach or you want to disciple the younger person to do. But you, you, you can't. You, you have to model it naturally. You can't, as you see, it's, it's. You can't just tell people how to do things. You've actually got to do it yourself. Like if you, yeah. and I think. You know, I think one of the important things as well is like if there's areas of your life that you're kind of struggling with is like admit it yeah like you know and and, and it's you know you don't have to be perfect I think that's I think that's also you know something that you know for people that you know, you're saying can anyone do this it's like you, you don't have to be perfect yeah because there's no you know none of us are perfect we're all we're all pretty good in some things but we're terrible yeah. in other things you know it's it's we're all a work in progress and Jim, we've talked a lot about digital Babylon, but I think what Gary's proving is that if you want our young people to survive in digital Babylon, you got to go into it with them, right? That's what Gary's saying. He's not saying he did this stuff on Sunday or at small group. He went, they I lived, heard much program stuff. Right. There. But he, he went into digital Babylon with them, lived life in the world with people who weren't like him and so on and so forth. And so I think that's, that's what's really cool is he, he does life with young people, which is important. Well, the truth is, I think, uh, you know, what I've heard, and I think people will be challenged by some of the things that they've heard. Um, and, and as they've been listening to these podcasts is that we're all thrust into digital Babylon, right? And so, but we're also being called to live a certain way that challenges some of those things. It, it doesn't mean that we become uh, citizens of digital Babylon and give into those ways but that we're being called to a better way. And then specifically for this, what we're talking about, it's these relationships are precisely that, right? Um, the reason they're meaningful is because there's a, there's a give and take, there's a, there's a modeling, there's a pouring into, um, there's an authenticity to, to it that we're, we're bringing ourselves to. And I think um, I, I love that we're able to think through that and, and not be afraid to want to model what we want to do in the coming generations under that, right? And not just to think that because we do something on a, at, at the church as a program that 
you know, that, that does it, you know, um, whereas I think what Gary, and I appreciate you sharing all of these things and, um, is that what you shared is has a lot of it has taken place outside of the, the programming, right. Of the church. And so I think those investments are, are huge. Um, so, yeah. Well, again, I want to, uh, I just want to say thanks for, for joining us as the, uh, you know, taking time out for, uh, in your schedule and coming. Um, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. And, uh, I certainly hope that for those of you listening or watching that uh, as you're challenged by these things, as you think about some of the thoughts, uh, think about one or two things that you you may have heard that may have challenged you. Um, feel free to write some of those things in the comments below. Um, send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. As as we've, we've said this before, we, we want this to be a conversation. Um, and as we continue to bring guests who are you know relevant to the topics that we were talking about, um, we, we'd love to hear you interact with that. So um, again, thank you so much for joining us and we'll uh, see you the next time.